0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, WJD!
2: Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com Get ready to win your league Where
0: fantasy becomes
2: reality Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris
0: Do you want to learn about third base prospects? Good, me too Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, November 16th I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White and Chris, the Welsh Today on the show, you guessed it We're breaking down the top third-base prospects heading into 2024. We'll talk about some dynasty trade targets, and the Arizona Fall League is over. Awards have been handed out, so we'll quickly run through those at the end of the podcast. Speaking of awards, congrats to my guy, Garrett Cole, for winning the AL Cy Young, the first of his career, and to uh, Blake Snell for winning the NL Cy Young. He has now won in both the AL and the NL, so his second Cy Young Award. No surprise, both of those pitchers are ranked inside Scott's top 10 entering 2024.
1: Yeah, one of them just barely, but uh, that is true. Two I wonder which one. <laughs> Two and 10 <laughs> is what Cole and Snell are ranked. Really interesting that this is Cole's first Cy Young Award considering he had one of his less dominant seasons in the last six years. Maybe the least dominant season in the last six years for Garrett Cole but it's the first time he's awarded Cy Young. Really, I mean, not that there was any doubt he was the best AL pitcher. It kind of speaks to the state of pitching overall. Also really weird that Blake Snell has now this uh rare distinction of having won a Cy Young in each league because those are basically the only two seasons where he's been at all in the Cy Young conversation. So uh you know, notable notable in both cases. Notable Award winners in both cases.
0: Yeah, I mean, Blake Snell, I mean, you can look at it from start to start, month to month. I mean, obviously, year to year, it's just a roller coaster up and down. And now Blake Snell is a free agent. We'll find out where he winds up this offseason. Welsh, you're here, bud. We were talking beforehand, third base prospects, I would say of all the positions we talked about so far, third base looks pretty awesome. I think it's the best yet.
2: I would agree yet, yet, because the best is yet to come. (laughs) Did did you bud me, by the way? Scott, did you hear how hard he budded me? He's like, hey there, bud. I got butted. I felt like an attack. I I actually feel attacked. I don't know if you're a buddy guy. I'm not your pal, friend. I, (laughs) I felt very buddied guy, pal. You can call me big guy next. There, Frank. You say, right.
0: hey there, big guy. All right. Well, I just uh, wrote it down on my fancy notepad here. Bud. Don't say bud to the Welsh. He, he doesn't like that.
2: No, I'm just I'm just teasing. I'm nah, teasing. All no, kidding. third
0: base is good. Now you're right about this. Uh, I didn't like doing
2: catcher. I didn't like your text about first base. Second base was all right. Things get a little bit more fun here. And uh, it only gets better as we move on, uh, going through shortstops, getting to yeah. outfield pitchers. It only gets better here. So, Thank God. Thank God for the good prospects.
0: All right, let's start up at the top. Again, these are the top 10 third-base prospects according to the Welsh's rankings. Number one, up top, we've got Junior Caminero from the Tampa Bay Rays. Scott and I spoke about him a little bit the other day on our uh, third-base recap. Some early rankings in there as well. Those were redraft rankings, so... To give you an idea of how much we like Junior Caminero. He's one of the top five prospects in all of baseball. He's just 20 years old. He went bonkers last year in the minors, hit 324, 31 homers, a 975 OPS across high A and double A. I mean, this is serious age to level stuff. I mean, what he's doing as a 20 year old is amazing. Welsh, just how good can Junior Caminero be? What is the upside for him?
2: Well, if you ask, Close and personal friend of the podcast, Frank Stanfield and I's Carson Williams, our good, close, personal friend. He just hasn't invited us to Fortnite yet. He would tell you that he's the best player that he's ever played with. And, you know, I want to say that there's a debate. There's kind of not. Everybody's kind of set, many people have settled into like White Langford is consensus number one. I still don't think. We're 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 at the level where we anoint and say there's no challenge because I think there is challenge Jackson holidays in there. And I think there are some people that would challenge that with junior Camonero as well. Um, You know, the hit tool is obvious from a fantasy perspective. There might be a bigger question about the stolen bases. He was the only teenager in the minor leagues, if I'm remembering correctly, to get over 30 homers. I believe the only two to do it, uh, the two youngest, were Abimelech-Ortiz, who was in the AFL, and uh, Junior Caminero was the youngest, 31 homers this past year. He is a force with the bat. I think there is also a possibility, maybe they do consider him a shortstop. You know, the, some of that is still out there. I know they have to kind of figure that out in the offseason. He's probably a third baseman. I'm just saying it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility. But they, they the do have an opening at elite. shortstop now. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to depth charts, you get that guy, other guy's name that's still in there uh, wrongfully at this point. But, you know, they could make that move. That doesn't really necessarily adjust like the fantasy uh, concern that we have. What we care is, will he be in a spot where he is going to be given the best run an RBI opportunity. And I think that's the case. You'd love him to steal more bases, but this is a four category player who has shown off incredible, incredible bat to ball skills. And he's the guy that you bank on because he should break camp. And, uh, you know, guardians fans people forget about this because he's so young, but junior Caminero was a guardian. He came up and he got traded. So I know it boils. It's, it's going to feel very uh Fernando Tatis junior esque of uh guardians fans, not being able to join him, but Rays fans will.
0: Yeah, and just a quick note on his defensive positions played last year. Camonero three games at third base with the Rays two at shortstop one at second base. So to your point, might be able to move him around a little bit. Scott, I know you like him quite a bit. We spoke about that the other day, currently ranked as your 12th third baseman heading into next season. Again, that's for redraft Mm -hmm. leagues. The number two third base prospect is I don't get to talk about common at all. Oh, well, you talked about him the other day, but go ahead. Well, I, I I was actually
1: going to say I find it hard to talk about Comero because like he's so good, it's almost uninteresting. Like you just have to stress how good he is. He hit three twenty four with thirty one homers and one hundred seventeen games, as mostly a nineteen year old, mostly at double A, and was obviously reached the majors at the end. I think. There are clear top four among the combined prospect rankings in some order. I I think Jackson Holiday is still number one, but Jackson Holiday, Wyatt Langford, who the Welsh mentioned, uh, Junior Caminero, and Jackson Chorio. Like you could you could rank those in more or less any order. They all have very high upside. Of the four of them, Caminero probably not gonna not gonna help so much in the stolen base areas as as the Welsh already mentioned I don't know maybe I'm just repeating everything here <laughs> <laughs> but it's an impressive
2: I mean like you said he hit 300 at both levels this past year also when he mm-hmm. moved up he hit over 300 against light, lefties and righties short sample size against lefties but he hit like 470 against them he hits he, a like plus plus hitter that I think you can really early on throw into a uh, similar to like Evan Carter, like and how Evan Carter was already thrust into hitting three for the Rangers. I'm not going to be surprised if mm. Junior Caminero is hitting somewhere between two and four for the Rays as soon as he has yeah. a roster spot. Well, there's no guarantee, by the way, that he does break camp. We assume it is.
1: No, but no, if not. he does, I think he will be in that uh, that prime spot. Yeah, and and look, I I would say the biggest testament to his upside is that the Rays of all teams. Who who slow play prospects as much as any organization had him make the leap from Double A as a twenty year old in the 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 thick of a playoff race and um, and like as I was saying when we did the third base preview part of the reason I I, I ranked Junior Caminero twelfth at third base already is because I presume he's going to break camp with the team like I I don't know given the incentive structures in place since the new CBA took effect where teams can score draft picks if their top prospects place high enough in awards voting for the first several years of his career. But that only happens if he's on the roster for his entire rookie season from opening day to the end of the season. So they already got his feet wet last year. As high end of a prospect as Junior Kamenero is, He'd be in the running for all those awards, and so uh, they need to have him on the opening day roster for it to for it to happen. One interesting note to add: Steamer does not
2: uh, have that projection, but I also am not sure that Steamer and all that has caught up to exactly what you said because Steamer is only projecting around 120 plate appearance, 126 to be exact. Over uh, what would that be 29 games projected for Camonero to play uh, in a full season, which? Seems crazy to me. And I think you laid outside of just what he did and who he is as a hitter and their needs talk about the extra incentives who can't use another first round pick. The Orioles and the Diamondbacks are both going to be having a huge benefit from that. I think every team needs to consider that, but I just wanted to point. It is interesting. If you look at steamer uh, early steamer projections, it does not
1: tell that story. There you go, Frank. We spent an extra six minutes talking about junior Caminero. We did it. We did it, bud. We were trying to wreck the show
0: here. I mean, he is a huge name. So if there is anyone we're going to do it for, it is junior common There's this interesting tool on Fangrass. If you look at Steamer 600, that's basically just taking the projections and projecting them over 600 plate appearances. And if you do that for Caminero, it's a 266 batting average, 24 homers, 76 runs, 78 RBI, and five steals. So, just to... Give you a little perspective there the number two prospect uh number two third base prospect is Noelvi Marte from the Cincinnati Reds just turned 22 years old in October we know that he ended the season in Cincinnati played quite well got 35 games in hit 316 three Homers six deals and 822 OPS very manageable 20 percent strikeout rate hit the ball extremely hard 91.3 average exit velocity 115.6 Max exit velocity Lots to like here. Love those exit velocities. I know you love them, Scotty Welsh. So we were talking beforehand. Wow. You're a little more like, all right. You know, I've seen, I've seen the lows. I've seen some of the highs. Where are you at now with Noelvi Marte?
2: Yeah, I would totally acknowledge. Like, I have, and I've said this a gajillion times over. My previous biases sometimes drive the future which is not a great thing with prospect stuff because like i saw the high-end noelvi Marte in the very beginning when he was a he looked like a different human being with them when, the, when literally came stateside oh, yeah. he you know 180 pounds six one whatever it was and he was getting like hamley ramirez comparison 100 percent. all his short stuff then he started to grow and he started to grow and then he became this big bulking guy with huge power but then the swing got longer And all of a sudden, he wasn't hitting quite at the same level. And that stuck in my head. He, You know, 300 hitter down to 273. Then he hit 270 again. Then he got bigger. And everybody questioned, okay, the strikeouts, is he going to be able to keep stealing? Well, as the body got up, and he even went to the AFL, he struggled. He looked awful in the AFL. He had a couple really good hits, but he just made really bad decisions. A swing was super long. He was on top of stuff. He just looked lost at it. Then he just found, and there was this big prospect like thing in the Twitterverse. People making about like, oh, his weight, and there's no way he can even be a prospect. There were a couple popular analysts that were just like really railing on the size, and he just found a comfortability with it. He he found how to adjust as a prospect. That bad speed, I think, got up a little bit more. He actually hit 279 for two straight seasons. Now he struck. Uh, he lowered the strikeout rate, I think, just a tiny bit. He still was stealing. The power numbers are there. I just, like, he's a power speed guy. I think you can really like him. I love the big hard hit stuff he had this past year. I'm just uncertain if he'll ever be more than a 260 hitter. Like, those Camonero projections, I'm like, oh, that might just be Noelvi with more stolen bases, which is still a great player. So I just don't know if I have that old school like. Hey, people thought Noelvi would be the number one overall prospect. I think he's capped a, a little bit. I, def- defense is okay. Like he kind of fell off from being a shortstop, moving over to third base. I think the swing can get long. I don't think he's going to hit for super high average. But you know what? If he became Manny Machado, I guess I really wouldn't be surprised. But maybe it would be like the current-ish version of Machado from a 260 to 270 hitter hitting in the middle of the order, and that's really good.
1: Well, I, I maybe the tone you you strike with Noel Vimarte is somewhat influenced by what your starting point point is with him. Because 100%. I was, you know, I was, I heard a lot of the the negative takes on on Noel Vimarte from the past couple years, and was kind of buying into him. I was really cooling on him as a prospect and putting him lower in my prospect rankings than I think the consensus had him. But then when he came to the majors and put up those ridiculous exit velocities, like rare exit velocities for a 22-year-old, didn't translate to much power. At first, he had a 61% uh, ground ball rate through September 4th. From September 5th on, he hit all three of his home runs, had a 47% ground ball rate, which is still high, but a lot better than 61%. And uh, so he hit, hit those three home runs over the final three weeks of the season, Uh, tapping into those exit velocities. And for the entire time he was up, Noel V. Marte stole six bases, which, you know, we're talking, I say entire time he was up, basically a month and a half, six stolen bases. So that translates to like a 25 steal pace. 91st percentile is the sprint speed for Noel V. Marte. So that, he proved he's not only fast enough to steal bases, but there's a willingness there to do it too. And so with those exit velocities, if he can continue to keep that ground ball rate in a tolerable range in Cincinnati, where the power is going to play up, I, I think there's, I think there's massive power speed potential here and wherever the batting average ends up, it ends up. I'm not even so much worried about that given what I think Noel V Marte can do in terms of power and speed. And, um, I'm very high on him right now. I'm probably higher on him right now than than I've ever been.
0: Just from a redraft perspective, the early ADP on Noel v. Marte, 156.7. So there is some enthusiasm at that point in the draft. Probably your corner infielder, but maybe you wait a little bit and, and he winds up being your starting third baseman. The number three and four third-base prospects. I'm going to put these two together here. We have Colt Keith of the Tigers, 22 years old. Kobe Mayo of the Orioles, who turns 22 and in December, great seasons for both of these gentlemen. Colt Keith hit 27 home runs, over 300 with the Tigers, 932 OPS. He got 67 games in at AAA. Uh, he hit lefties well, too. I thought that was really interesting from his minor league data. Kobe Mayo, we are talking beforehand. This guy crushes the ball. I mean, he hit 29 home runs, 91.7 average exit velocity, 112 max EV at AAA. So, the power absolutely looks amazing. Well, it's two questions on these guys Colt Keith, how realistic is opening day with the Tigers? And for Kobe Mayo, where does he play? I feel like that's the question for every Orioles prospect.
2: Well, with Kobe Mayo, great question.
0: I don't 100% know.
2: I think you want to get that bat uh, in the lineup as soon as possible. One of the things we were talking about, I mean, from a leaderboard perspective, he was all over. This is um, to credit, I'm looking over on Prospects Live, 112 max EV. This right here, 95th percentile exit velocity was 109, almost a 92 average exit velocity, uh, an almost 10% barrel rate, which you love to see. I mean, These are all just like, hey, these are fun things. I'm telling you, he is such a good hitter. He walked like 90 times this year. He had a 400 OBP with big strikeout numbers, though, I would point out. Um, This is a huge, hulking, mashing power hitter that I just don't know if they're going to care. But to your point, like they've got like Kirstead and they got Connor Norby that's waiting to pop up. Connor Norby, by the way, I think was in like the top 15 or he might have been at the tippy top of doubles hit in the minor leagues this year, as well as Kobe Mayo with the big power number. So I love Kobe Mayo. I'm battling between wanting to move these two, but I want to point out, we're still in the top 20 of my overall prospects because Colt Keith is another one of those. Bad defensively saw him a couple years ago in the AFL, but the bat was live. He, he was actually the very last home run I got two years ago in the Arizona Fall League with this really beautiful, easy swing. He then proceeded to take that to this 2023 season where he hit 27 Homers, he hit 300 which was huge. And when he got moved up to AAA, still hit 287 off of 325 and double A. All of this fun thing to say, this guy is an, an immense middle of the order hitter with great, great power, maybe a little bit of stolen bases in there. And I do think it's set up for him. You know, they moved Candelario at the trade deadline. I think they have got some potential space for him wherever they end up wanting to put him in the lineup. I wouldn't be shocked if this is if Colt Keith is the Tigers version of trying to acquire extra draft picks, which they should be doing and putting him in the lineup from day one. Because what are you missing? I don't know if that's the case with Mayo, because by the way, I mentioned Norby and him and we didn't even mention Jackson Holiday. So um, it might be a consolidation factor for the Orioles. I think the Orioles. In the free agency, should be aggressive with one of these pitchers. And I think they should be aggressive by moving some of these prospects and trading maybe for another pitcher or maybe a big power bat or something. And I bet Mayo is not a part of it, by the way. I bet you Holiday and Mayo are not. Kirstead, open for business. Connor Norby, open for business. Jordan Westberg, Colton Kowser, all of them open for business. Mayo, Holiday, I bet not. And
1: that's how you get him in here. Those are two guys to bet on in Dynasty for sure. Uh, I was expecting in the second half or, you know, late in the season, late August, when, when the late rash of prospects happened, the the kind of get your feet wet class in preparation for having an opening day job next year. I was kind of surprised Colt Keith wasn't Same. among them. I kept having him in my uh, five prospects to stash in the weekly prospects report, and it, it just never happened. And so that makes me a little... Less than fifty percent on him making the opening day roster for the Tigers, though. Of course, I mean we didn't see we didn't see Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe late in twenty twenty two, and they still made the opening day roster for their respective teams. So it's not impo- impossible, but I'm betting against it. And yeah, I think there's no chance with Kobe Mayo just because the Orioles have so many mouths to feed already. It's there. There's not a lot of rationale to rush him. Uh, and I think Jack Jackson Holiday is going to have a leg up on winning an opening day roster spot. Anyway, I think I'm happy with how you have them ranked here. Keith over Mayo between the two. I think Keith is the only one who has a chance of hitting for average in the majors. Not that he for sure will, but I think it's, he keeps the strikeouts under control better. Uh, I believe he is more all fields and with his approach. Yeah. He goes the opposite way more often than, than Kobe Mayo does. Kobe Mayo is just like a pure masher. It gets on base a good amount. It gets on base, walks more than Colt Keith does. So if you're talking points league perspective, maybe you could justify Mayo over Colt Keith. But for, for five by five scoring, I'm going to say Colt Keith than Kobe Mayo.
2: An interesting thing to add just real quick. In both of their double A numbers, Mayo had pretty big um, righty-lefty splits where Mayo hit over 300 against righties, hit only 230 against lefties. Colt Keith... I believe I just looked at it and I just went away from it was over 300 on both of those. So he was a very high quality lefty, righty hitter. And we've seen that uh, time in and time out. I just point out, I thought he stunk at third base when he played in the AFL and I'd probably have to dig in right now to see how much was that justified by looking at his fielding numbers. But I think that may have played a role in it as well. It looks like, Guess he only had at third base five errors this past year. So maybe there was something still to work on, but I'm not sure Matt Vierling keeps Colt Keith off the roster, especially when it could uh net you a potential pick.
0: Right. And I know he's played some second base in the minors too. So yeah. maybe that's an option down the line. My guess is they'll probably try him at third base first. Again, that is Colt Keith. I do agree with your take, Welsh, on the Orioles should probably try to consolidate, right? Because I mean, hasn't their owner already come out and said, there's no way we'll be able to afford all these guys. So he's already kind of like tipping his hand that he's not going to extend all these players. They're not going to be around forever. You might as well kind of cash in on some of them, maybe like a Dylan Cease or a Corbin Burns trade, whatever it might be. Uh, But I think it's possible. They obviously have the assets to get that done. Let's take our first break. When we return, more third base prospects right after this. So, when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome back in and let's jump back right back into the top third base prospects just to recap the top four. According to the Welsh, we have Junior Caminero, Noel V. Marte, Colt Keith, and Kobe Mayo. The next two on the list, number five, Brady House with the Washington Nationals, 20 years old and originally drafted as a shortstop. If you remember back in 2021, there was that quartet, which featured Marcelo Mayer, uh, Jordan Lawler, Khalil Watson, and Brady House. Since then, Brady House has been moved to third base. Makes sense. I mean, he is a big, hulking human being, six foot four, 215 pounds, Speaking of big hulking human beings, the number six third base prospect is a gentleman named Brock Wilkin who was drafted by the Brewers this year. He was their first round pick, 18th overall, six foot four, 225 pounds. He got 47 games in, including six at A. He hit 285, eight doubles, four triples, five homers, four steals, 887 OPS. I mean, that guy did it all. Welsh. Uh, I think there's a lot to like for both of these guys. But the main question, who do you think has more power? Who projects for more power long-term, Brady House or Brock Wilkin?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go with Brock Wilkin. So uh, luckily, I was able to just pull these up here. I love Mason Brock Wilkin. Brock Wilkin was at Wake Forest. Was in the uh, College World Series. If we, if you remember seeing him, he's got this interesting stance that, that kind of like gets intertwined in here. Uh, these are these are the college numbers, by the way, because I talked a decent amount about him when uh, when he was getting drafted. If oh yeah, here we go. So here were his college. Some of the college uh, analytics on him. He had. Of all the like first round guys, um, we're talking Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Langford, all of them. Biggest power numbers, Max EV hit 119. Remember, metal bats, but 119 Max 119. EV, which was the second or the third highest of any of the college bats that I
1: have info on. Um, how, but, how much does aluminum bats, well, metal bats, is it still aluminum? How, how much does it that it helped? Exit velocity. It's a great question. I feel
2: like I had this conversation with Joe Doyle and I want to say it was, we might've settled on like five miles per hour, but uh, don't quote that's me. Don't uh, yeah, <laughs> Get mad lot. at me if, if that's the incorrect yeah. number, but it was yeah. no, 114. If we if we, if we we drop at five, 114 is still pretty ridiculous. Hard. He had a 108 90th uh, percentile uh, exit velocity, a 94 average exit velocity. And here's the thing that you pair it with all. Oh, by the way, contact percentage on 92 plus. But here was my favorite of all of them. Of every bat, I got Cruz, Langford, Matt Shaw, Tommy, Troy. These are all the college guys that just went. The lowest chase rate of any of those players in college was Brock Wilkin. So bring this back to what did he do this year where he got drafted. went three levels, also played in instructs. He was able to hit 285, walk 33 times in 47 games, had a 400 OBP, five homers, eight doubles. If I could do a quick map, that's 17 of his 47 hits in 47 games were extra base. He's a huge, big power guy that hit double A, I like him quite a bit. He's a first year player target for me. I don't mean, I didn't mean to make this all about him and not Brady House because Brady House improved his batting average at every level this year, is still learning to develop the power because this has been a high average guy stole nine bases, which was eight more than he had ever stole. He only stole one base between the previous two years. Strikeout numbers are nothing crazy, but he's a high batting average, big power guy. These are both great bets and people aren't as, to be honest with you, Brady house might be the best bet of all of them, the cheapest in dynasty, but Brock Wilkin is a first year player target for all the reasons I talked about. Huge power. With not bad chase rates and a very advanced hitter, and Brady House is actually kind of similar with a better defensive profile, being a shortstop that's going to be able to keep him on the field. So these are both really great third base uh, targets.
1: All right, let's you have, go ahead, Scott. You have to think with that batting eye though. If it's a if it's a points league or if it's like a sim league, Brock Wilkin would make sense over Brady House. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I might go Wilkin as time goes on a little bit. I I mean, he actually played in Instructs, and I don't think he wanted to be here. He was the only college hitter in Arizona in Instructs. And I think there was kind of a, why is he here doing it? I think the team wanted to get him more at-bats and more looks because I think they're going to push him this coming year. And they're kind of a little bit, they might be on a rebuild very soon. And I think he will be a very, very important part of it. And he easily can rocket up ranks and this positional rank.
0: Just a sneak peek, Welsh, where do you have Brock Wilkin in your first-year player draft rankings?
2: I have him currently at nine right now, nine overall.
0: All right, let's move over to number seven and eight in the third-base prospects. We have Graham Pauly at number seven from the Padres. He just turned 23 years old in September. Uh, This season in the minors hit 308, 23 homers, 22 steals, 931 OPS. Definitely a little bit older for the levels he played at. You know, it was... Uh, across three levels, he only got 20 games in at Double A, so you know, mostly a 22 year old turning 23 at Double A. you know, it's a little bit older there. Number eight is Ivan Melendez, who we might have spoke about him on the first base podcast, but he will have third base eligibility on CBS. He played mo- most of his games at third base last year uh, in the minors. Mm. Scott, I know, I know, that. I know you've liked Melendez a lot. I believe you have him in the Scott White Dynasty League. There's massive yeah. power here. 30 homers. I- Tons of strikeouts. I, We're talking. I haven't met a couple dynasty leagues. Yeah, thirty-four percent strikeout rate in the minors last year. Twenty-nine percent strikeout rate in the AFL. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that there's power, but it won't matter if he can't make contact.
1: No, it won't. And I historically have been very down on high strikeout guys. <laughs> Yvonne Melendez certainly fits the bill there, uh, but the power might be enough to overcome it. And it just doesn't – it doesn't seem like he is – we talk about him on this podcast a fair amount, but it doesn't seem like he gets – for the caliber of player he was in college, it doesn't seem like he gets a lot of pub in prospect circles. I think – Uh, The strikeout rate probably has something to do with it, but also the fact that he is most likely going to wind up at first base, a a right-handed hitting first baseman, and that kind of prospect has to to thread a needle to become a full-time player in the majors. Uh, But I think that can lead to discounts in fantasy because, I mean, there was a point in time when um, Pete Alonso was getting dinged for the same thing and obviously, he's turned out to be a stud in fantasy. Uh, and I've actually seen comparisons made to Melendez. That same comparison to Pete Alonso. Now he's going to have to improve the strikeout rate a lot to to get up to, to Pete Alonso level. But Pete Alonso's or Pete Alonso's strikeout rates in the minors, I think they were pretty high. And he's coming.
2: Couple- I feel like they weren't this high, actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess they were under twenty five percent.
1: You're right. They were. Okay. Okay. Um, but just the fact that he's a slugging first baseman who bats right-handed. Like, if he can find a path to everyday at bats in the majors, which is you know obviously contingent on him overcoming the strikeout rate, then uh, I think Melendez could be a real find in dynasty leagues. So that's why I've invested in him as much as I have because you know he's basically free in these dynasty leagues of mine.
0: All right. Welsh, I know you had the chance to watch both of these gentlemen out in the Arizona Fall League again. Graham Pauly of the uh, Padres and Yvonne Melendez of the D-backs. I feel like for Pauly, he doesn't have like a standout tool or at least based on what I've read or looked at. But he's kind of like this jack of all trades can kind of do a little bit of everything kind of player. What are your thoughts on those two?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's well said. I think he played first, third, and corner outfield out here. I think like the first time, I, I'm, again, I could be corrected, but I think he played like a couple games maybe in left field or whatever. Uh, but yeah, first, third. I don't think he's a great batting average guy. Uh, the first week he showed out in the AFL, and I was like, oh, my God, he's amazing. You know, 20 stolen bases, 20 homers. Um, I think there's a much bigger hole in his swing. He chases at like a lot of off-speed stuff low, and that's something you're going to have to continuously work on. But he does have 2020 upside. I think it's going to be trouble to get to the 20, simply because of uh, batting average woes. I wouldn't be. There's two things. You know, the isn't is, the Machado injury? Isn't that going to linger in? Or the surgery? Is that going to linger into the start of the season? I, I
1: think isn't that right dispute over that. I, I think Frank leans toward. Yes, I lean toward the timetable yeah. given was four to six months. So if right. it's closer to four, no, if it's closer I to six. Wonder yeah. maybe
2: if they were looking at maybe Graham Polly as somebody that could help them out a little bit as a bench bat. Not saying it's going to happen. That would be an aggressive push. The other thing is might be tr- great trade bait. But for what he does, he covers a lot of areas in fantasy where man, I want to love Melendez. Uh, you, you know, oh, well, she's a homer, diamondbacks. I just, I hated all of it. I just didn't like how he looked at all. The power numbers are absurd. But the same thing happened to me with Abimelech-Ortiz. They look slow. Both of these guys, Melendez specifically, looked like all he needed to do and all he was trying to do was just find the fastball mistake to beat. And I saw Pete Alonso in the AFL destroy mistakes. I did not see Ivan Melendez destroy mistakes. He did play decent offensively. I think Melendez is going to really struggle with batting average. I think both of these players are going to struggle with batting average. It's a beautiful lefty swing with Graham Pally. I think Melendez can hit more homers, but Polly can steal. That's kind of the differentiating factor. But I am down-ish a bit. They're both
1: still top 100 prospects, though. So I just want to caveat. Uh, do you think they're going to be for everybody? Because no. part of... I, I'm pretty invested in Graham too, in these dynasty leagues. And, and I, I will reiterate to those who didn't catch it before... All my dynasty leagues are 24 teams. So I'm I'm getting about as deep as it gets into the dynasty player pool with the 24 team leagues. Uh Melendez and Graham Pauly both were players I was scooping up mid season for free, basically. Like they just they did not have any traction even in a dynasty league. Polly specifically, the- by the way. Like
2: Ivan Melendez had name value attached to him. There really wasn't that out there with Polly so I want to point out um that that's kind of an important factor but at the end of the day I also think Polly's going to be able to hit he hit over 300 this year I saw some big woes but I think he can overcome them by the way in what was this this was in Lake Elsinore I believe I like Elsinore he got around 90 games of it he hit 290 against righties and uh over 300 against lefties I mean, that's really impressive. That's an impressive hit tool that you won't see with Melendez. Melendez is, he is going to strike out a ton. It's going to be, can he help defensive? And by the way, I said that about Grand Pauly. Mm-hmm. I have Melendez playing at third, kind of screams at you too about the Diamondbacks having a hole at third base with Longoria leaving that they might be, hey, what do we have here? Or creating trade flexibility or flexibility for a trade uh, in the near future, <laughs> which I think the Diamondbacks like the Orioles need to consolidate as well.
0: All right, the number nine third-base prospect is Justin Henry Malloy of the Tigers. He turns 24 years old in February, and upon studying his minor league page, he's from New York, so you know I'm rooting for the guy. Uh, this season in the minors, he hit 277 with a .417 on-base percentage, 23 homers, 891 OPS, all of his games in A, Scott, I remember towards the end of the season, we would be doing the prospect report, You know, five players to watch, five players on the periphery, And oftentimes, we wound up mentioning Justin Henry Malloy, formerly of your Atlanta Braves. He's older. Mm -hmm. I think the Tigers are kind of going through this youth movement right now. So I think that we see him up very soon, maybe even opening day with the Tigers.
1: Yeah, and and his future is likely in the outfield, especially if if, uh, Colt Keith settles in at third base. So keep that in mind. Uh, In fact, no, he played mostly third base in the minors last year, but played a fair amount outfield, too. Yeah, the 110 walks you mentioned the on-base percentage 110 walks in 135 games and he had 97 walks in the Braves organization uh, in 2022. So this is this is this is his standout tool and it's a very valuable tool in in real life, not so much in roto play, but you know, in other fantasy formats it's a good tool there too. It's going to require just uh, to, for him to be a fantasy asset, asset, it's going to require Justin Henry Malloy to maximize a modest power tool, which he's done so far in the minors. Twenty-three home runs this past year, uh, seventeen again in the Braves organization the year before. Like he has shown a capability to play beyond the data, to perform beyond the data. So maybe there is a possible. I don't know, Marcus Simeon without the speed kind of outcome here for Justin Henry Malloy. going to be tough to accomplish that in Detroit, but not outside the realm of possibility. I would say Justin Henry Malloy, if it's a 5 by 5 Roto Dynasty League, I'm not sure he's worth the trouble, but if it's another scoring format that does reward the walks, maybe it is.
0: Yeah, and it's especially tough for right-handed hitters in Comerica, you know, it's a little bit more forgiving for lefties, but as we've seen with Torkelson, if you look at the expected home runs by ballpark, you put them anywhere else, and that number jumps by like five to 10 home runs. So it's just tough to hit home runs as a right-handed hitter uh, in Detroit. So keep that in mind with Justin Henry Malloy. The last name on the list, number 10 third-base prospect, is Brian Ramos of the White Sox. He is a 21-year-old out of Cuba, and this past season hit 264 with 15 home runs and 808 OPS across 81 games 77 of those coming at double a solid plate discipline here Welsh I know you had the chance to see him out in the AFL and you know we're talking a little bit offline you know there's some people out there that like him quite a bit so what are you seeing from Brian Ramos what's the upside with him
2: I don't remember if you were with me or not but there was someone or two that said they liked Ramos more than Colson Montgomery Um, that that was I do feel that was pretty heavily influenced in like what was happening like right there because Colson Montgomery was very swing happy and Ramos is just really consistent. And you know, Ramos ended up missing a significant amount of time this year. Only played 80 games, still hit 15 homers. You know, you project that out. He's at least a 25 plus homer guy, very clutch little bit of stolen base potential. Wouldn't be surprised if he got to 10. He's not overtly big, but he is also one of those guys that's going to put up big EV numbers. We don't have them here. Um, I I probably should go and dig in on the AFL side because there might be some at Salt River. But this is one of those guys that's going to put up those 113, 114 big pull uh, EV numbers. And I think he's 25 plus at the position. He's hit 260, I believe, two straight years. The strikeouts are don't look like they're fully, fully cutting down, but we're getting into that space. He just made better decisions as he gets older. I think this is one of those guys where his ability to hit the ball really hard might work a little bit in his favor. Um you know, to pad the stats a little bit more. So I think Ramos is 25-plus potential. I'm worried about the batting average overall. That's why he's not higher. But opportunity might come sooner rather than later. Again, another team that's kind of in a rebuild mode, and I think they want to push. You know, I wouldn't be – I think Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos I think also very much enjoy – they, they have worked together and working together. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those situations where the team also brings them up relatively at the same time. So uh, Ramos is a good bet at third base here. I think he's actually kind of a safe, cheap bet. You know, Scott's talking about, oh, hey, these guys, you know, and Melendez is in the... Grand Poly. and and like I think Ramos sits in this same general vicinity where it's like, I would make the bet. He's right outside my top 100. Some might have him in there. If he's free, take a look at him because he's knocking on the door of the majors.
1: I don't have much to say about Brian Ramos, but I did want to mention a couple of name curiosities for Justin Henry Malloy, if this is the first time you're hearing of him, the guy we just talked about. So the hyphenated name there is the first name. Justin Henry the last name is just Malloy so that's interesting also Justin is spelled J U S T Y N so if you're looking up Justin Malloy and you're getting frustrated because his name's not coming up just just type in Malloy and and then you'll s- scroll through and find Justin hyphen Henry as the first name.
0: All right. Just to recap the top 10 prospects, top 10 third base prospects from the Welsh junior Caminero with the Rays, Noel Marte with the Reds, Colt Keith with the Tigers, Kobe Mayo with the Orioles, Brady house with the nationals, Brock Wilkin with the Brewers, Graham Pauly with the Padres, Yvonne Melendez with the D backs, Justin Henry Malloy with the Tigers and Brian Ramos with the White Sox. If you are looking for names, that will help you sooner rather than later. Names to know for redraft leagues, maybe you're doing some of these way too early, draft and hold over at the NFBC, whatever it might be. Top proximity guys, Junior Caminero, Noel V Marte, Colt Keith, Kobe Mayo, you know, maybe not the first month or two of the season, but I think we do see Kobe Mayo at some point next year. Uh, and then the aforementioned Justin Henry Malloy. Let's take our final break when we return. Got some quick uh, news and notes to go over, uh, and then we'll wrap up with some trade targets and some AFL awards here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and
1: flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old
2: whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild
1: conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
0: welcome back in the news and notes already mentioned the cy young award winners again congratulations to uh blake snell and garrett cole the manager of the year award was also handed out and we had brandon hyde in the american league and skip schumacher in the national league so congrats to those guys Vinny Pasquantino, the Pasquatch, as he's known as now. Uh, I was actually watching an interview. He said he doesn't want to be known as like the Italian breakfast or Italian nightmare anymore because his mom doesn't like it. <laughs> so that that's the entire reason. So I guess we're going with the Pasquatch. Uh, anyway, he was able to take full batting practice this week. As you remember, he had uh, season-ending surgery to repair a torn labrum in his right shoulder. And in that same interview, said, should be 100% ready to go by the time spring training rolls around. The Athletics' Evan Drellich reports that the A's relocation to Las Vegas is expected to be approved today when this podcast is released on Thursday, November 16th, which, look, it's a unfortunate situation, obviously, for all the fans out there in Oakland, and a lot of the stuff I've read is, like, people in Vegas don't even want the Oakland A's there, so... I. I don't know what's going on. It's just a very weird situation all around. Is it going to be a problem if they're
2: still the A's? Like, don't you think Vegas doesn't want the A's? They want their own thing. Don't you think they need to rebrand it?
0: That's exactly what I've read and heard is that, like, people who live in Vegas, they want their own team. They want, like, a brand new franchise, right? They want something to, to call their own. Not like, oh, the Raiders went to Las Vegas. Most of the people that go to watch the games are, like, the visiting team's fans, I have a feeling the same thing might happen if it's like the Las Vegas A's or whatever.
2: There's also like a, there's very brand with the Raiders. It had a, it had a a life of its own. Unfortunately, the A's don't. This is coming from, I grew up in the Bay Area. My family were all A's fans. My beloved grandfather passed away 10 years ago. We shared A's, all of that stuff. The A's have no... Real brand like the Raiders do going anywhere else, and then also like Vegas, they've already had like a minor league team, the Reno Aces. I know people would be like, change it to the Aces. They, I don't know. They just need it. I feel like they need an identity, and baseball needs to embrace nixing the A's out and giving them an identity. Otherwise, oh, you're just going to go no. into a place wherever.
1: No, but but like this, this is a this is one of the historic franchises. I like, agree, but Oakland doesn't want a them. Vegas stop, doesn't want right? them. Right? What do you do? Nobody wants them. I mean, the green and yellow color scheme, so novel. That's a word, yeah. (laughs) Novel,
2: it's it's right. I mean, I don't know.
0: I don't mind the color scheme. I actually have an all yellow alternate Oakland A's jersey. Mark McGuire. The the
1: Athletics. Like, they're the Athletics, but most people just call them the A's. That's...
2: Well, the New York Times should buy them. I don't know. Like, it's... (laughs) I don't, I don't, I'm I, like, again, I am, I have the most uh, connection to the A's over you guys. I literally grew up in the Bay area and with them. And I yeah. think about the A's in Vegas. And if I lived in Vegas, I'd be like, I don't know. They, they're, they're gross. Like the jerseys are gross. The team stinks. <sighs> Nobody liked them there. They have, they have nothing to carry over the last like 15 the, years. The, oh, you know what their are is? green hat is? with it's the Brad yellow Pitt. brim? No, it's you Brad Pitt. You don't like it green? His most iconic A's person is Brad Pitt. It's an actor. <laughs> Anyway, let's, that's not
1: true. The bash brothers.
0: I mean, I, I think don't. he did say 15 years, right? I mean, you're 15, dating, years. You're dating yourself A's, a little bit, Scott. I think of Brad Pitt
2: and and Jonah uh, Hill is what I think of right now. And and again, like I love Mark. I, I met Mark McGuire. Like there's like a huge uh, thing. I met McGuire like uh, three months ago in the complex league out here and stuff like that. I didn't even think about the A's. I, didn't I, think I don't agree with it.
1: Bit. I don't agree with this take of eliminating the A's as a, as the name and identity of a franchise. Vegas will come around. They'll, they'll come around. I do want to refer back to the Vinny Pasquantino thing because there was a time not so long ago where if the mother chimed in on a player's nickname, <laughs> that would only perpetuate the nickname. Like, that would create more taunting and teasing um, within the clubhouse than not right like that would that would that would if anything that would just like codify it you know that was when the a's were great though scott <laughs> just a new era uh,
0: i love you guys I'm, going back and forth on this this is great <laughs> uh the latest hot stove rumors by the way i did get an update on my phone not too long ago this comes from jeff Passen Shohei Otani has, quote, expressed affinity for the Dodgers, the Rangers and the Red Sox for whatever is that really, maybe the biggest free agent in baseball history. So uh, obviously we'll be following that along all offseason. John Heyman believes the Padres, Giants, Padres and Phillies are all interested in Blake Snell. And according to John Morosi, the Dodgers are showing strong interest in Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Lastly, very sad news, as the Padres chairman and owner, Peter Seidler, passed away on Tuesday. Everything I've read and heard in recent days about him is that he was a great owner, he was an even better human being. Our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to the Seidler family and the Padres organization. Let's move over to some dynasty trade targets, specifically at third base, and Scott, we will start with you. Uh, I normally ask you for like one or two, but you probably have like five, so. Where do you want
1: to go? <laughs> I have three of each. I'm seeing here the Welsh has one of my buys. Oh, I'll just mention it, Manny Machado, and he can talk about Manny Machado as a buy low in Dynasty. Maybe I'll chime in more depending on what he says. Um, I do kind of like Noel V. Marte as a buy low because I think I think most people. Well, I mean we, we kind of talked about it already. I, I I am higher on him now than I've been ever, but I don't know that the consensus is there. I think the consensus is more uh skeptical than I am. And so I think it's I think it's an opportunity to, you know, get him before he hits big. It's not like he's not a highly rated prospect, but it's one who um I don't know. It's not like he's junior common or anything, and he might end up being early round material in fantasy for years to come, particularly if that speed continues to translate. So to some degree, I think Noel V. Marte is a by-low. The ultimate by-low at third base, though, in dynasty, though, I think is Brett Beatty, who I still think has a very bright future, hits the ball hard, good plate discipline. The Mets stick with him then I think he will eventually come around. I know it didn't work out last year. I remain hopeful in the long term for Brett Beatty.
0: All right, Scott. Well, I hope you're wrong because I traded Brett Beatty away in the Scott White Dynasty League, (laughs) so uh, it would hurt pretty badly if uh, he turned out to be a stud. But it's obviously still possible. Welsh, you're by Manny Machado.
2: Yes, Manny Machado. So I am currently doing a Dynasty draft mock uh, with the Toolshed boys. And Manny Machado fell to the end of the fifth round. And Machado went after Dynasty. I don't know. You guys will be like, clearly these guys should go above. But uh, Jazz went before. Bellinger went before. Josh Lowe went before. And I've got
1: some question marks about like Manny
0: Machado.
2: Uh,
1: What's that? I definitely wouldn't take Bellinger ahead of uh, Machado and Dynasty. I think all those are kind of a question. I mean, yeah, they're all I mean, a question, but yeah, definitely not To different Bellinger. degrees. Yeah, yeah, definitely not Bellinger.
2: Um... I really want to get into this. I really like like Royce Lewis. So I think you're you're a lot closer um, when you kind of debate like a Machado versus Royce Lewis. But Machado went like aggressively lower. And, you know, just a couple of things I'd cite. The batting average sunk this year. 258 was 40 points lower than the previous year. And it was the lowest since 2017. His Babbitt brand low 268, which was 30 points lower than his average and 70 points lower than last year lowest since 2017, yet he still hit 30 homers, had a sub-20% K rate, 91 RBIs in 138 games, and projections, if you care, have him beating every single one of his counting stat uh, categories. So really what it is is it's like you're getting bottom barrel. the, the, The lowest value you would have had of Manny Machado in the last five or six years exists right now. He had what is arguably the most standout bad year under the hood, which, again, like I said, it's like lowest BABIP sense, lowest average sense. All of those things, plus projections working in favor, I think it's a great buy opportunity right now. He's 31 years old. If you're like me and you care about the two- or three-year window more, Manny Machado is a uh, killer buy right now when his value is dropping into the fifth or sixth round, plus there's a little injury tag on him. I think he's like the ultimate, like, Big value buy in Dynasty at this position where there are a lot of like younger bats that you like Bright
1: Beatty, like you said, that you can get yeah. in on. But uh, yeah, that's my Manny Machado sell. Two quick points here on Machado. Uh, one is that he was still as productive as he was. The underlying numbers were still as good as they were with him playing with a bad elbow all season. So I think that puts it into perspective. But really, I could just sum up the Manny Machado. Uh, why I retain so much interest in him as others kind of back away. Uh, this is a early round mainstay who's still in the prime of his career. And so any fluctuation in the numbers I think needs to be you, you need to look
2: at it with a glass
1: half full just given that track record.
2: All right. And also we're close personal friends. <laughs> <laughs> just want to point out
0: for, the, <laughs> to, for those we are
2: both go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead, and sell it. I'll just, I'll just show it.
0: I was just gonna say, for those uh, who are listening right now, you should check us out on YouTube because the Welsh is currently holding up a picture he took with Manny Machado. So another reason to mm. buy. In that's dynasty. the only
2: reason, really, those that were close <laughs> personal friends.
0: Absolutely. All right, Scott. Let's go back to you. Let's make this a little quick. I want to quickly run through those AFL awards. Uh, your dynasty sell candidates at third base.
1: All right, the yin to the yang here is Royce Lewis, who is in redraft leagues being ranked so far going ahead of Manny Machado. And I just, 40th overall. 40th overall is is Royce Lewis's ADP and Fantasy Pro's ADP. And I just have a hard time believing that he is going to perform like a top 40 player. Like, Like, that is what you should bet on going forward with Royce Lewis. Okay, he's going to be a top 40 player for years to come. Right now, he is a top 40 player. That's what he's perceived at. But I feel like if you sell on him as a top 40 player, it's hard to imagine that deal going wrong for you. Like, what's he going to be a top 12 player? I don't think Royce Lewis has that kind of upside. And, of course, he has the injury history, so there's a good chance he doesn't even live up to top 40. So if you're taking advantage of what he's being evaluated as right now, um, then I don't see how this blows up for you trading away Royce Lewis at that value because I think it's basically maxing out his value. It's kind of a roundabout way of saying it, but there it is. A couple others real quick, and I've talked about this before in the position previews, Isak Paredes, Spencer Steer. I also kind of feel like they can't possibly be more productive than they've already been. Uh, And in Steer's case, there's also the logjam issue there in Cincinnati where they just have, more talented players they're bringing in than him does he get reduced to more of a utility role instead of being a true everyday player in which case he would lose value in fantasy obviously
0: all right and then welsh your cell candidate here uh have a feeling Scotty might like this one a little bit.
2: Oh, okay. Well, one thing I just want to add with Royce real quick, because I still do love him. Uh, if you care about the projections of third baseman projected for 10 or more stolen bases, there's only four with 20 or more projected uh, homers. Ellie De La Cruz, Jose Ramirez, Gunnar Henderson, and Royce Lewis. So that makes him very interesting. My cell is Josh Young. So um kind of leaning on projections just to, talk to you guys about it. Josh Young, uh projections are fine, 28 homers, 80 runs, 90 RBIs, but hit 266. But Josh Young, a 29.3% K rate. He had yes, ni- he had 19 strikeouts in 65 playoff at bats to only three- to-, <laughs> Her- to only three walks <laughs> would point out. Only person with a worse playoff strikeout to walk rate was Evan Longoria. 21 strikeouts to two walks. He also finished in the bottom 23rd percentile in whiff, 24th percentile in chase. I actually kind of like Young is a general statement, but I just don't think he's elite. Uh, I also think this is a high uh, sell high time coming off of a World Series win talking also about the Manny Machado stuff, Josh Young went in the fourth round of that dynasty mock draft where Machado went in the fifth. So I do believe there's a path for an improvement. I actually looked at Austin Riley's like early numbers. Just I think there might be like some similarities with them. Uh, There's some hard hit barrel uh, similarities as far as like the minor league numbers go in the early uh, first two years. And there's also some approach similarities, but you've got Young who just has, ridiculously stupid K rates with bad walk rates. So at the end of the day, I'm kind of wanting to lean off of that because I do think the stat line that he provides is kind of replaceable. There's replaceable guys that you can do a lot of this with. And if you can maximize where you're wanting to maximize off a of Royce, if I can maximize young to 90% of what you're doing, I just feel like I can easily replace it with older players and maybe just spend my time elsewhere and my dynasty assets elsewhere. And I guess you
1: guys agree. Yeah, I mean, I I thought about putting him as a as a as a sell high. Josh Young, he's all his ADP is eighty sixth right now, which is far different from fortieth. I do like just in a vacuum Royce Lewis better than uh, Josh Young, but I I think it's less likely that Josh Young's value has peaked at eighty sixth overall than that Royce Lewis has peaked at fortieth overall, which is why I ultimately. Didn't include Josh Young as a sell high, though I certainly can envision a scenario where you do sell high on him.
0: Again, I have Josh Young in the Scott White Dynasty League, so Welsh, I hope that you are completely wrong and that Josh (laughs) Young turns into the next Austin Riley even better and he's amazing this upcoming season. Let's quickly wrap up just some Arizona Fall League awards that were handed out uh, over the past week or so. The breakout player of the year is a name we haven't mentioned, Oliver Dunn, who is a uh, second baseman. I think he's kind of like a utility player. He was on the Phillies. Just in the couple the past couple days, he was traded to the Brewers because he was exposed to the rule 5 draft, so we you know see kind of wacky trades this time of year. He's he was also a- traded by the way
2: for a player on the Brewers who was in the AFL and these two were teammates. They both played on the surprise Saguaro. So these were teammates that were literally swapped for each other. And didn't they wind
0: up winning the AFL championship?
2: They also won the championship and Oliver Dunn was, as you mentioned, breakout player was one of the best players I text you. You and I were texting about him. I had mentioned him a couple of times. The problem is he's 26 years old, so he's kind of a non-prospect, but he did everything. He did a little bit of everything. He could run. He was hitting for some power. There were doubles, good approach, as you should at that age, but he was kind of checking off boxes. I thought he could be a utility guy, but I told you, I was like, man, the Brewers got some potential open spots here. Maybe they're going to just take a swing at it and give him an opportunity. I don't think that's crazy. Maybe it's a super, super like deep uh, just throw for Oliver Dunn, who definitely shined out here, but he is 26.
0: All right. The offensive player of the year was our buddy James Triantos, who played all around the diamond prospect from the Cubs, and he hit 417 with five triples, three homers, nine steals, 12 walks to 15 strikeouts. Haven't seen as much of that in his minor league numbers yet, but obviously we're hoping uh, he can carry that over into 2024 and beyond. The pitcher of the year in the AFL was Ricky Tiedemann, who was the top pitching prospect, arguably, out there. He is with the Toronto Blue Jays. He made four starts, had a 2.5 ERA, 111 whip, 23 strikeouts, over 18 innings pitched. The Blue Jays rotation seems pretty set for now. Obviously, crazy things happen. Injuries, underperformance, all that stuff. Kevin Cosman, Braxton... Oh my gosh, I was about to say Braxton Barrios. I've got football brain. Uh, <laughs> Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi, and Alec Manoa. Again, like, Manoa. We have, we have no. no idea with Alec Manoa. Scott, I think there's a pretty good chance we see Ricky Tiedemann in uh, 2024. Do you agree?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, in fact, of all these... The pitching prospects who have not yet debuted in the majors, Ricky Tiedemann's my highest ranked for 2024. It's only about a hundredth overall, so it's not like uh, it's not like you should be drafting him in every league. But if you're going to draft any pitching prospect who has yet to debut, I think Tiedemann's the one.
0: The reliever of the year was Emiliano Tejado from the Rangers. We. Talked about him quite a bit as well. 11 shutout innings, three hits, three walks, 19 strikeouts, and five saves. He turns 23 years old in February. Hasn't pitched above high A yet, so my guess is he starts in double A, maybe has a chance to join the Rangers at some point later on in 2024. The MVP, best for last, of course, Jacob Marcy, outfield prospect with the Padres. He led the AFL in hits, runs, doubles, slugging percentage, wound up hitting 319, uh, 391, excuse me, 12 doubles, five homers, 16 steals, 21 walks to 25 strikeouts. Welsh, I know you talked about Marcy quite a bit. He's 22 years old, only played 16 games at double A. So my guess is he probably starts there. Maybe there's a chance we see him late in 2024.
2: Yeah. I mean, they might designate, they might get a uh, Grisham off this roster. And if they make that trade, you never know what's going to be available for them. Um, I think every Padres player is always available for a trade, but I think Marcy opened a lot of eyes. He does everything well. And as I pointed out, you know, some have questioned the power numbers. Um, We talked about this on a panel at first pitch about how, you know, he was pulling Uh, Big pull numbers were in a friendly right field, but then when they moved a level, he started kind of just having more of a center field contact. That's also why he's such a smart hitter. He hits lefties. He does have that pull power. He knows how to take advantage of the field. He's a super fast runner and a really good defender. This is a guy that can move, and I think he obviously opened eyes with MVPs. MVPs have had some decent track records. All of that aside, I was thoroughly impressed with him. I made him a top 100 prospect. Maybe that's going to end up being foolish, but I think he can kind of do everything, and I do think there's a shot we could see him this year.
0: All right, we're going to wrap there for the Welsh and Scotty. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we will be back again next week. Bye-bye.